Hi, I'm Gladys Abrams. And I'm Roy Abrams. And you're listening to? Across the Street. Across the Country. When you start a business, there's a kind of figurative clock that starts ticking and keeps ticking while you run that business day to day. And in DKI's case, it's every day, 365 of them a year, 24-7. You do everything to ensure the clock runs on time smoothly for everyone. But when it's time to stop, to retire, to pass on that legacy, who do you entrust that business, that legacy to? How will that new owner ensure that clock runs efficiently? Maybe it's a matter of bringing your own clock while respecting the old one. Hope we didn't lose you on that clock metaphor, so we'll just park that nuance for a few moments. We've examined in past episodes what it's like for those making the transition out of a business, the adjustment sometimes challenging, but hopefully rewarding. Well, today we look at the other person in that equation, the one who takes over a very successful DKI outlet with a long storied history, how he managed to find the balance between staying true to the spirit of what previous owners built, but while also putting his own stamp on it. Kev Algar, the new guy with DKI Pro Pacific on Vancouver Island. My name is Denny Grignot, and this is episode 16, season 2 of Across the Street, Across the Country. It's a sunny summer day, seaplanes flying above, when I pull into DKI Pro-Pacific's head office in an industrial park on Vancouver Island. Kev, I'm so sorry I'm late. That's okay, don't worry about it. Nice to, meet, nice to see you again in person. How's it go? Island traffic in the summer? Kev Algar is one of four partners and the operating officer of a parent company that runs four DKI offices across the island. Today, DKI Pro-Pacific is the result of a couple of acquisitions and a merger. For a while, the head office was in Victoria, where Gladys and Roy Abrams built a DKI legacy before retiring and ultimately selling to Kev. You'll remember my conversation with the Abrams from an earlier episode. But a few years after Kev became the new guy with wife Sally, who's DKI Pro-Pacific's financial controller, the head office moved here. Parksville is one of the better communities, but some of the... A lot of the, the small town of Parksville, more than two hours from the capital city. This is kind of... I'll tell you the story about the new home. We've only been in here, say, about a year and a half, but we really still haven't settled in. We kind of you know, came in here in the middle of COVID still, and... What was that like? Um, kind of chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's turned into... It's turning into what we wanted it to be. The move was made for strategic reasons, as you'll hear, but also because Parksville, it seems to mesh well with Kev's easygoing, carefree, but buttoned up when needed, Kev has a military background, personality. The move was also a tactile way for him to establish his own persona and his working philosophy on a business with a long DKI history that was now his business. You'll also hear this during my visit and conversation 
with Kev Algar of DKI Pro-Pacific. A lot of the communities on the island have been very resistant. They, they kind of support commercial development and then they don't because they'll come up with rules and say, for example, oh yeah, you can have a commercial development but with three parking spaces. Um, okay, we run a restoration industry. You try living with three parking spaces when you've got a fleet of 40-odd vehicles in total. How do you negotiate that as the guy who's come from away? Because I know you're fairly new to the island, and you got to dance that line between, look, but also, okay, I know this is how you do things. I may not agree with it. How do we figure this out? So how do you figure that out? So, yeah, one thing, personally, I had to spend a little bit of time getting used to. I've been here on the island, living on the island six years now. Obviously, I visited a lot before, and... I'm personally getting used to the island way of life. That said, we also look around for municipal municipalities that are supportive of that. That's the reason we've ended up with our head office now in Parksville, as opposed to a different location. Well, as you saw from the sign outside, there are three businesses housed here, but one of them isn't really here. The hazmat division lives the other end of Nanaimo. Uh, so what we have in here is restoration and island premier contracting, which is our general contracting side. This corner of the building is our large and complex loss operation. So those are the guys that deal with the large losses and also some of the more complex um, jobs that we get. We do a lot of work for the local health authority, so island health. Um, so these guys will look after that. That's a, you know, a very complex requirement. They require a special type of treatment and a lot of special skills. What to, do you mean a special kind of treatment? Well, they're trying to deal with infection control, so our guys have to be able to set up infection control. We have to work around nurses and you know, doctors that are trying to do their job while we're trying to do our job. So, What's that relationship like between those two camps? Pretty good. They seem to like us. <laughs> so what would you attribute that to when you say that? Because I'm sure a lot of the times there, there is that tension between camps. There, there, there is a, uh, a fight for turf and jurisdiction. So either, what is it about the, these two camps that you can point to and go, that's why they're getting along. That's why there's a, a respect and, and they're working. We listen them. to them. We listen to what they need. The end result is they've got to service their customer. We're, yeah, we could just be treated as another vendor, but we try to look at it as a partnership. So that yeah, we we've been asked to do work for them in the most obscure places. They you know they have a small healthcare facility. Uh, they had one in Bamfield, which is right out on the west coast. It's actually the start of the West Coast Trail, and it has a small health facility there. And we got asked to go out there and do some work for them. Well, logistically, that is a bit of a nightmare. I've had employees that um, one left us um, about a year and a half ago because she came to Canada uh, as an immigrant. But she wanted to travel. She wanted to see the west of Canada, particularly all of BC. And her frustration got to the point where the ferries now are so congested and so overbooked, especially in the summer period, that unless you think about booking a month ahead, you're not getting off the island. Uh, you know, when you've got people that, oh, I just fancy doing a weekend trip to the mainland and maybe go up to Kamloops. You can't do that. You have to think about it so far in advance. There's no jumping in the car and going for a, a quick run to the mainland because you won't get there. Unless, of course, you fancy lining up at four o'clock in the morning in the hope that you might get on a ferry. <laughs> show you why, why we bought this building okay. well, not, not, not the only reason but if you come down here very few buildings on the island have a basement 
Oh, because um, of the rock. Because of the rock, and um, where it's not rock, it tends to be swampy. Oh, this, on the other hand, has a full height, full size basement. Building. And we're both tall guys, so we're we both tall guys. This. Yeah, this is actually a nice place to have. Yeah. Um, we, when we did the environmental testing before the purchase, uh, the guys went down 30 feet and they were still in what they term river rock. This is an old floodplain from many, many from millennia ago. So it's just big boulders under here and the there's no flooding. This is a 20, oh, nearly a 30 year old building now. And wow. Can you smell any musty, damp smells? I can't. Here? I don't, I don't, this I is, don't see a humidifier going either. No, so. This is the, probably the driest basement I've ever been in. <laughs> and you've been in many places where <laughs> yeah. which you, you would know. So we acquired this with the option of expanding our operation, having a local operation in here with Parksville has its own Deca Pro Pacific office. So that's the, yeah, that was, that's housed in here, all of their equipment. We will eventually start to convert part of this into a contents facility. Well, well. I see you got, you got a, is that a contents cleaner? Did I get yep. the terminology there yes. right? Yes, that's, okay. that's our part of our fire line system. So we've got that down here. We moved that out of the Victoria office because the Victoria office is very limited in real estate. It's small. Um, love to have a bigger place, but Victoria real estate is challenging to do that with. So we're working out different ways, you know, looking back to looking at the option of, you know, micro branches with, a, with some centralized support. And that's the purpose behind this building. Will you have people ship things in from uh, DKI Duncan and Nanaimo out here to, to clean? Is that how? Yeah, at, at the moment, they, at the moment, quite often they come into you know on Nanaimo office or somewhere. We look at it from the perspective that it's only a couple of hours in a truck to be brought up here and processed. It can then go back to that location to be stored, so that if any homeowner wants to get access to their you know their, their yeah. contents, they can do that. But the processing can be done anywhere. How so, much work was that to, to, to coordinate all of that? Because it would seem like you'd need like a big map on a wall going, okay, here are the dots. <laughs> that, that pair of boots is going to go from there to here. We're going to clean it, and then we're going to ship it back. And, and I know you have a military background, so there must be some training there where you're able to coordinate. No, I, I, I will not claim any of the glory for that. I, that's the operations team. And they – yeah, they tend to treat everything as a yeah one job. So instead of moving individual items around, it's okay. We're moving the contents of this premise to this location. We will clean it, process it, and then we will ship it back again. And that whole process, Kev, how much on a percentage basis is the actual cleaning compared to the just coordinating it going <laughs> around all over the island here? Um, it will depend, obviously. In some cases, it's it's significant. The, uh, the the logistics side of it is is a significant portion, but it will depend on whether it's a fire or a flood, or if we're just getting it out of there because we need it out of there, or whether it's actually got to be processed and cleaned. And you know, so it can vary anywhere from a few percent up to you know ninety percent of the work. I think a lot of people are aware that you know. If, Something happens to their house, it can be rebuilt. Something happens to their contents, they tend to get upset really quickly. You know, little Billy's teddy bear that suddenly got... <laughs> right. Yeah. 15 broken windows does not it's equate fixable. one heirloom that was destroyed. No. Everything else is fixable. Structural is fixable. Heirlooms with all of the, you know, the history, the stories, etc. that go with them aren't fixable. This is really nice, uh, Kev. I gotta say, you've got, you've got lots of room, and everything's very orderly. I uh, guess I should expect restoration people to be very clean and tidy, shouldn't <laughs> I? We try, but um, yeah. there's an old joke that you'll hear about a mechanic's car. A mechanic's car is usually the worst maintained vehicle out there. 
sometimes it can be said of us guys. We're and so busy looking after everybody else. That <laughs> and the plumber's house always has the, the dripping, uh, yeah. the dripping faucet. So we have another reason that we, we acquired this. It came with a lovely backyard. Oh, space. Yes. Which is something that you fight for normally. Okay, was... I don't think there are a lot of DKI outlets where you look out the back window and there's a, a boat that's up on, <laughs> on a stand out there. And then mountains in the background. Yeah, yeah our, na our neighbor does um, boat repairs. What's it like for you to, to look out this window? And this is now not just your place of business, but this is your home where you have this montage of boat, mountain, land, ocean. It's one of the reasons I ended up coming to Canada. It's, you know, I, when, I, when I used to work in Calgary, uh, one of the guys asked me one time, why did you move to Canada? I said, well, think about this. I had a choice. I was in the military. I got to, I was fortunate enough to travel all over the world. They posted me to Canada in the mid nineties and we kind of fell in love with the place. What was your reaction before you fell in love with it and they said you were coming to Canada? Oh, I've been asking to come. Um, I, I was one, I would volunteer for anything because I love to travel. I love to see the world, uh, see different cultures. So I wanted to come to Canada. Uh, I had a good friend out here, ex-military that had moved out anyhow. So I volunteered. We came out, just, it proved the point. We fell in love with the place. So what I said to these guys, I said, I, said, I, was, I knew I was going to emigrate. I knew I wasn't going to stay in the UK. My family, my wife and I decided that, you know, the 65 million people on a small island is probably not the ideal thing for us because we like the outdoors and we like space. So I said, we decided we were going to emigrate. We picked Canada as the place to emigrate to. We could have gone anywhere. You know, I'm lazy. I'd have wanted somewhere English speaking. So, but that still would have left Australia, New Zealand, South. Yeah, I could rattle off the list. We chose this place because we knew what it was like. We knew what the people were like. We knew what the gorgeous scenery was like. And you were used to living on an island, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> this one may be a little bit smaller than the one I was born on, bit. but. <laughs> a little bit. It just feels smaller because it is an island. Is that fair? And I just wonder how that might affect the relationship between camps when you're dealing with people. Well, I think people realize that, you know, we have to treat Everybody a little bit uniquely, as we've seen, you know, we are an island, as you said, it doesn't take much before we are cut off from the mainland, whether it be a storm or, you know, the interesting thing when the lower mainland went through all of its floods last year and had absolute chaos. We weren't too bad out here from one perspective, um, but on the flip side of that, everything was shut down. So nothing was getting through to the lower mainland and that extra degree of separation means, you know, gas wasn't hitting the island you know there's all sorts of things that were going on that just made it a little bit more challenging so i think everybody on the island thinks about it as we have to look after each other hi i'm kev algar i'm the ceo of dki pro pacific and you're listening to across the street across the country we'll get back to my tour and conversation with kev algar in a bit just want to take a moment to tell you that DKI provides services to insurance, commercial, and residential clients from coast to coast. Whether it's an emergency response, water damage mitigation, fire and contents cleaning, mold remediation, or a complete reconstruction, DKI members are available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. If you are ever in need of emergency assistance, the number is 1-855-DKI-TODAY. That is 1-855-354-2329. Okay, now let's head back to Parksville on Vancouver Island, home of Kevin and Sally Algar, and also where you'll find the head office of DKI Pro Pacific. 
one of the things that I want, personally wanted to do was to look at getting us to be more efficient. So the micro offices, shared resources, etc. So to have shared resources, you need to centralize everybody. The key, you know, some of the key roles, finance, accounting, HR, etc. You can't have them dotted all over the place. You need an HR person. Where you put that really is just a, a business decision. And it came back to, you know, we, Victoria is ex- an expensive place to live. Trying to find a building like this in Victoria just would not happen. Does it matter where it is? No, we deal with everything electronically now. So we have DRS, we have all phones, we have everything that we need. We can do the, the everything we need from here. I wanted the contents facility to be a little bit more central. That proved to be a little bit too challenging. Victoria wasn't going to happen per se, so we were going to try. I was going to try and have it around the Duncan area. Couldn't get the real estate. Um, Nanaimo was probably the next option. But then we did the math and went, okay, for the cost of building, uh, for the cost of designing, you know, retrofitting something to be a great contents facility, does it really matter if we have to truck it for a couple of hours? Because even from Victoria to here, depending on the time of day, but it's a two, two and a half hour run in a truck. That's all. So what's the extra half hour? What's if the extra be- half an hour if we're just moving up there? As long as we're efficient in what we do, uh-huh. it really doesn't make a great deal of difference. took over like an existing business and a very successful DKI and you mentioned the owners both Gladys and, and Roy how does that compare if you can imagine versus if you had started the business from the ground up it's actually the way that I, I prefer companies go through three stages in their life they have the entrepreneurial startup portion then they go from that next stage to the consolidation where you are, they become more process driven. They become more centralized. And then they go from there into the large company. So there's basically three stages of their development. I like to go in at that point where the entrepreneur has done a lot of hard work and got everything up and running. But I'm the guy that likes to go in and turn that into a system, a process, a set of, you know, a defined document that gives everybody guidance as to what they do. So. That's a personal thing for me. I've, de- I've done operational excellence, I think, think. Well, actually, I was doing it in the military. But since I came to Canada, that's actually been the primary focus of everything I've done. But if we take it down to a very grassroots level, and we talked about the very intimate nature of the island. Everybody knows everybody. I, 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 take me back to that time when you walked in here as the new guy. All the staff here, the, the dozens and dozens of people, they, they knew the previous owners. And you come in. And you have to kind of walk that line, I'm guessing. It's like, I'm the new person. I'm going to bring in new ideas. It's about showing them respect. It's about not walking in there. There is something that I've come across several times throughout my career, and I call it the arrogance of senior management, where they think they know everything. They think they know what they're doing. And they walk in. You you can usually tell them straight away because they're the guy who takes a new job, and within a week they've changed everything. I know that's the quickest way to fail. The people that know the most about what's going on are the people that are doing the job every day. It may not even necessarily be the previous or the owners, or it's the guys on the ground. So you have to respect the fact that they have a lot of inherent knowledge. So what was that meeting like when you, knowing that and all that wisdom, what was the mood like in that meeting when you when they first? Pretty good. Yeah. I, yeah, I like to think I'm a fairly relaxed, fairly jovial guy. So it's really a case of breaking the ice, getting everybody smiling, telling them, that yeah, I respect what they do and I need them to help me and help the company be successful. Right. 
So and they the, knew you were not from here for obvious, obviously absolutely. they could hear your voice and go, okay, he's not, he's not a, a local boy. He wasn't born like 50 kilometers from here. Yeah. I, I get to tell, I get to tell the story regularly about, so how did you end up in Canada then? So, okay, here we go again. You know? <laughs> Which I appreciate by the way. And, and the, no, and the military part is actually the bit that surprises most of them because I think a lot of them expect military guys to run around shouting and screaming all the time. Um, that's probably not that's a different story that's a story for another day but it, it is certainly something that you know i don't buy into i spoke about a year ago to glass and roy abrams and they talked about their passing the torch on to you and and what what that was like for them how conscious were you of that entering into this their relationship with it and how it was going to affect your role taking over conscious of their feelings but you're how you were going to manage and the people under them absolutely i was fortunate enough in between the sale of the company that i was a partner in in calgary and coming to the island i worked for a private equity company for a while so i had the pleasure of onboarding several small companies that they did an acquisition for and uh, so i'm very aware of the you know the, the the buyer's remorse the seller's remorse and all of those good things that happen and for Roy and Gladys, this had been their life for so long. They had built a wonderful business. They had a great team. But there is a challenging part there, which is if they continue to be an active part of the business while I am still there, then that leads to confusion for the employees. So the deal that I kind of brokered with Roy was, you know, Gladys said, I'm okay, you do what you know, I don't need to be around. But So the deal I brokered with Roy, though, was that he would be a – a mentor as needed, not to be in the office every day because that would just confuse people. They wouldn't know who the boss was and they would be asking questions. And so I said, yeah, this is probably a lot easier if we do it that way. I'm going to play a clip here. They clearly have uh, this respect for you. We offered to stay on for a while. The second day, I mean, I had no office anymore. That was his office. And I'm, I'm standing in the lobby now. Like I was already redundant. Hugely redundant. And the second day, uh, Kev comes up to me and says, you know, we don't need two bosses. You know, at first I felt like I just got fired. And the uh, <laughs> second day, he was totally right. So you can hear the resignation in, in his voice, but also the, the respect that he had for you. When you hear that, what's your reaction? It, it, uh, to be honest, it hurts me. It sounds terrible. I really felt for Roy. This was everything to him. And that's why I said, you know, uh, Having him as a mentor, and I, I still touch base with him. Yeah, You're choked it, up, I can tell right now. Yeah, I it's it. I, I I know how hard it is to try and shut down a business. Yeah, you know, I watched when we sold the business I had in Calgary, or we had in Calgary, the partners that I had. I stayed on as the sacrificial lamb, as they call it, the management. But they were exiting. Boy, was it hard for them. They had spent 25 years growing a business, and all of a sudden, they were kind of... It was hard for you, I can tell. Well, yeah, because I feel that. Yeah, you have that empathy for people. That, you know, what now? I said to Roy, I said, what are you guys going to do now? And Roy said, well, I've got... You know, he just bought himself a Tesla, so he was a happy guy. <laughs> yeah. They were going to go on the road. They were going to do road trip after road trip, and they have. I know they've done a lot of traveling, and I'm so glad to see that it worked out that way. Yeah. But yeah, the when it comes to you know, how do you gently remove them from that location it depends you know how when you're doing a business transition whether you are going into manager or whether you're buying somebody you know part as part of the deal who's going to manage it for you um in their case they yeah they wanted to exit which was absolutely the right thing to do and i didn't want the team that they built to have any confusion any you know 
How did you do loyalty that then? questions? Loyalty then how, questions. how did you do that with the team? You, you you brought up the team because there is always that core that's going to be very loyal to the previous owners, and and you're it's I it's also, a little bit like a sports team. You know, okay, I'm the new coach. I know things were done a different way. I have a lot of respect for the previous person. I'm the new person. Let's make this work. So how do how do you develop that bond that that you need to to keep DKI the success that it was by being as open as you possibly can asking them yeah i was asking them whether they were comfortable would you feel comfortable if we just put roy onto a retainer so that we can use him for yeah are you guys comfortable are you you know he's trained you well roy and gladys have trained you to be an exceptional team are you comfortable doing this without them so it was more about listening than telling them oh absolutely you gain you, you gain a whole lot more in business by closing the mouth and opening the ears watch me i'm getting in fast lately don't Kev Algar, CEO of DKI Pro Pacific on Vancouver Island. You can you can just hear how he's true to the legacy of previous owners, but also how he's bringing his own unique approach and developing a special connection with his teams. Graham Lindsay, thanks for providing the musical bridges for our show, and you got to hear some new theme music in today's episode too, courtesy of Close Kicks, which you can listen to on your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's where you'll also find this show. Please tell others about us. And remember, subscribe, rate, repeat. DKI Canada actively contributes to creating a better future through environmental protection and social responsibility. Focused on leaving things better than DKI found them. DKI is committed to using environmentally sustainable cleaning products and mitigating risk in environmentally sustainable ways. Across the Street, Across the Country is written, produced, and hosted by me, Denis Grignel. We're back in a few weeks with a brand new episode. There are a lot of DKI outlets you could have taken over. You could have started one from the ground up. So why Vancouver Island? Because I promised myself a long time ago that I was born next to the ocean and I was going to die next to the ocean. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Yeah.